From the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, this is the Voices of Victors podcast. In this podcast, we focus on homecoming. Do you remember your first time at the big house? We'll share an essay from an alum whose first trip to the big house was a life-defining moment. And we'll share the story of an academic icon who became an inspiration for fans and students alike. This year has been like no other on campus in recent memory. How are today's students and faculty navigating the age of COVID? We'll talk about it. Plus, our plans for celebrating homecoming virtually and more. Let's get started. When the fall term began at the University of Michigan, everything looked a little different. Students had committed to wearing face coverings and social distancing. The university adapted new policies for entering facilities to lessen the spread of the disease. Everything from how students are graded to the academic calendar itself needed to be modified for a new normal. And the Big House sat quiet. At the start of the academic year, the Big Ten Conference had postponed all fall sports due to COVID-19. By mid-September, the football season was also modified in tune with the pandemic, with an eight-game schedule starting the weekend of October 23rd and 24th. The Big House will be packed. Not with actual people, mind you but with cutouts of fans in the stands. Hey, at least the cutouts will do well braving the elements. This brings us to our first story. This essay, written by Sarah M. Sala and read by Katie, reflects on a pivotal moment in her life when she first felt the electricity of attending a Michigan football game. My father is a man of few but potent words, a man strengthened by his integrity, generosity, and devotion to his children. He's worked doggedly every day of his life to provide me with the best he can, yet no amount of travel, fashion, or fancy dining could have inspired me more than the Saturday he took me to a Michigan football game. In the car ride to the stadium, my father explained that because he has no sons, I must be one for him today. His words held no negative connotation, but seemed to convey genuine joy. I quickly consented and my heart drummed louder and louder as the miles between the football stadium and me diminished. As we parked our quad cab and commenced the long journey to the game, I couldn't help but steal glances at the man ahead of me. As one of four daughters, there were not many occasions when I had my father completely to myself. Because of this, I kept staring up at his face, studying it, trying to memorize all of its detail savoring my good fortune to be his sole companion for the day. As we came up to a chaotic intersection, he grasped my hand. I'm never going to forget the fleeting moment of safety. As we crossed the street and made our way toward the game, people poured from every direction, trickling out of cars and swarming over the grass, and we were swept along with them, two beings in the thick snarl of humanity. The big house rose up before us, its rough brick and iron gates, both welcoming and awe-inspiring. Hallway after hallway, flight after flight of stairs, we wound through the stadium's shadowy chambers. Hot dog vendors, pretzel stands, and fan gear with large embroidered block M's all whirled together in my recollection. And my father stopped short in the midst of all of it. My eyes snapped to his, and he hesitated, laying his right hand on my shoulder. We had reached the final flight of stairs. 
Through the shadows that enshrouded us, I made out the blazing light at the top of the step, beckoning me to ascend. My heart caught in my chest. A wave of emotion washed so quickly over my father's face that I became alarmed. Dad, Dad, are you okay? I thought maybe he was queasy. Maybe there was something I could do. He didn't immediately respond, but a slow smile tugged at the corners of his mouth. Let's just stay here for a second, okay, he said, almost in a whisper. I felt the floor beneath me vibrating with the steps of all the fans in the stadium. I was eager to rise to the top of the steps, to take in what I had been waiting for all day. It was then he spoke in a halting voice. Sarah? How gently he pronounced my name, as though wrapping me in an embrace, but still calling me to attention. He struggled to find the words. Everything that lies before you is yours for the taking. This is more than I can ever give you, and I want you to have it. But you have to take it. Promise me you will take it. His voice choked with emotion as he spoke these last two words, his eyes staring hard into mine. For a moment, I knew nothing else. After the instant passed, I acknowledged his question with no way of knowing where it would take me. I could not possibly discern the future he saw laid out for me. With his cautionary advice to hold tight to his hand, we ascended the final barrier to the sky. I must pause here to let my panting eight-year-old heart rest a spell. What I then saw, felt, heard, smelled, and devoured elevated my soul to such a height that it was suspended there a few days. All at once, more than a hundred thousand fans burst into view. I drowned in the clamor of marching bands, the droning planes lugging their banners across the sky, the shrill scream of a referee's whistle, the sight of painted fans, the savory smell of hot dogs, the dazzle of a lit scoreboard. I stared and stared until I no longer saw, until I could no longer discern what it was I could glimpse, and just kept gazing. My father likes to tell people that I stood for a full five minutes, obstructing the view of the man behind me. I laughingly deny it except it's probably true. I was trying so hard to take it all in that I forgot myself. I did finally take my seat, but I've never been the same. There's still a piece of me lodged somewhere in that stadium. Even though we will not physically gather this fall, it's important that we continue to gather in spirit by looking out for one another. If we continue to cultivate the Wolverine spirit, I'm confident we will come back stronger than ever. Thanks to Sarah M. Sala, class of 2008, for her essay. She is the author of Devil's Lake and the founding director of Office Hours Poetry Workshop. She currently teaches expository writing at New York University and lives in Manhattan. Coming up, from the perspective of an alum who guided her across the gridiron, the legend of Doc Losh is next. But first, can you guess this Michigan mystery alum? Before she was considered not ready for prime time, she spent time at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Think you know who this is? The answer when we return. Welcome back to Voices of Victors. Coming up, how to join the homecoming festivities virtually. 
Plus, how the University of Michigan is putting safety and security first during the age of COVID, and the legend of Doc Losh. But first, the answer to our Michigan Mystery alum trivia question. Before she became one of the original not ready for primetime players on Saturday Night Live in 1975, she spent her Saturday nights in the late 60s in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. The answer? Gilda Radner. Have you ever wondered how you would navigate your way around campus if you were a student this year? The 2020-2021 academic year has a different look, and students, staff, and faculty have come together to make this happen. In a socially distant way, of course. In addition to the face coverings and social distancing, the university has also put in place testing, sampling, and tracking. Thousands of students, faculty, and staff have volunteered to be monitored in the university's sampling and tracking program which tests up to 3,000 individuals per week for coronavirus. Also, the university launched the Campus Maze and Blueprint. It's a comprehensive website with information about plans for all three campuses and Michigan medicine. Along with guidelines for living, learning, and working on campus, the site also includes a COVID-19 dashboard for the Ann Arbor campus. Our second essay for the homecoming episode comes from Jeff Bracken, class of 72, JD of 75. As read by Dave, it's the story of a professor who spent half a century at the University of Michigan and who embodied the Wolverine spirit. On an oppressively hot Ann Arbor night in August 1968, my freshman orientation group and I filed into Hill Auditorium. We were there to learn some U of M traditions, including the victors and all the words of the yellow and blue. The faculty included Professor George Cavender, who had brought a dozen rowdy Michigan marching band members to play for us. When he and the band concluded their performance, he turned our attention to the back of the stage. There in the corner sat a diminutive elderly woman with her gray hair pulled back into a small bun. She wore silver-rimmed spectacles and a Block M sweater nearly long enough to reach to her knees when she stood. Cavender announced, This is Dr. Hazel Losh, Professor Emeritus of Astronomy, to tell you about the great Michigan spirit. Doc Losh, as she was affectionately known, shuffled slowly across the stage to the lectern behind which a footstool had been placed so that we could see her when she spoke. We freshmen-to-be knew nothing about this tiny lady as she crossed the stage. We did not know that she had taught over 50,000 U of M students during her career, including some of the nation's most prominent astronomers. We did not know that the student body loved her so much they had proclaimed her homecoming queen for life in 1966. We could never have anticipated what happened next. When she reached the podium, Doc Losh mounted the footstool, placed some note cards in front of her, adjusted her glasses, and peered out into the crowd. Just as she prepared to speak, she was interrupted by a raucous chant from the band. They yelled, Roll em up! Roll em up! implying that her words might soil the cuffs of a gentleman's trousers. Doc Losh dutifully dismounted the footstool, and rolled down her hose to her ankles to the cheers of the band. Doc Losh drew a similarly boisterous cheer from the band when she barked out her first words, Go Blue, in a surprisingly strong voice. She explained numerous U of M traditions, with tales of glory about Michigan's accomplishments in the classroom and in athletics. Doc's speech mesmerized us, and we left the auditorium with her stories of Michigan indelibly imprinted in our memories. During the next few years, when she was supposedly retired, Doc Losh became an ambassador for the university. She spoke to hundreds of groups of students, alumni, media, and others about her beloved Michigan. 
Her taped monthly radio program, Astronomy Reports, was a regular feature on Michigan Public Radio. I saw Doc on only a few occasions during my undergraduate years. She delivered an inspirational speech from the torchlit steps of the Graduate Library at a large pep rally held two days before the 1968 Ohio State football game. The next year, she spoke from the front porch of the Sigma Chi fraternity at a much smaller pep rally held two days before Michigan's stunning upset over the Buckeyes. And just before every home football game, an undergraduate M-Club member escorted Doc across the Michigan Stadium field. A few days before the first football game in 1973, I received a telephone call while studying in my room in the Law Quadrangle. A former track teammate and officer of the M-Club knew I cared a lot about Michigan traditions and asked if I would consider taking an elderly former professor to the home football games. I asked incredulously, are you talking about Doc Losh? For the next two seasons, I picked up Doc Losh at her home on East University Avenue about two hours before kickoff. We parked in a reserved space just outside Michigan Stadium and walked down the dark tunnel to the eastern sideline of the field. Then, Doc would sit in a folding chair and talk with well-wishers from the athletic department and the marching band. When the M-Club banner was brought out, Doc and I would walk arm-in-arm out to the middle of the field and watch the team run out of the tunnel and under the banner. Then we would slowly navigate through the team standing on the western sideline and walk up the Section 23 aisle to her seat. Doc sat with members of the athletic department and visiting dignitaries, like the governor and his wife, for the Michigan State game. After the game, Doc and I walked up the aisle to the section exit and around the southern end of the stadium to the stairs on the eastern side. As we walked, she was always greeted by many fans and former students. She remembered an astonishing number of her former students and had a pleasant word or a remembrance to share. Whether the day was beastly hot, freezing cold, or drenching wet, Doc never missed a game during those two years. Although the walking was very hard for her and climbing the stadium steps even worse, she never once complained. Doc turned down a standing offer from the athletic department to sit in the press box because, as she told me more than once, the people up there just don't watch the game. By the time I walked her up the front steps of her home after each game, Doc was exhausted. But she always said that if Michigan had won, it had been a great game. During the half century she was at Michigan, Doc Losh embodied the Michigan spirit about which she so softly and lovingly spoke. A few weeks before she died, confined to a wheelchair, she attended her last Michigan football game. The beloved professor whom U of M President Robin W. Fleming called an institution within an institution passed away on October 5, 1978. An overflow crowd attended her funeral service at the First United Methodist Church on State Street. Although hundreds attending the service bid farewell to Doc that day, her contributions to the Michigan spirit live on, on campus, in the stadium, and in our hearts. Thanks to Jeff Bracken for this story. Jeff, his wife Kathy, and their sons Matt, Andrew, and Chris are all University of Michigan alumni. Jeff lives in East Lansing, Michigan, but we won't hold that against him. It's homecoming season, and this year we are celebrating homecoming at home. Nothing beats our annual homecoming tailgate before heading over to the big house for the game, but since that isn't a possibility this year, we've come up with the next best thing. Join us for a virtual pep rally as homecoming takes on a whole new meaning this year with the little brown jug on the line in the season opener. 
we'll get you ready for the game, and you'll hear from a few surprise guests along the way. Oh, and did we mention there will be prizes available? You bet, but you've got to be there to win. The virtual pep rally is happening Friday, October 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern. Get the details at umalumni.com slash homecoming to learn more or find out about other homecoming virtual activities. University of Michigan alumni are making a difference all over the world, and we want to tell their stories. Have you become a member? If you haven't already, we invite you to do so. Visit the website at alumni.umich.edu. And here's another way to help the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan. Give this podcast a rating or review, and be sure to click the free subscribe button to automatically receive the next episode. Or ask your smart speaker to play the Voices of Victor's podcast. Until next time, wherever you go, go blue.